You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. For the final time this week, welcome in to Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can catch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Winless. No more. LSU men's basketball getting their first victory since December the 28th, taking down Vanderbilt at home behind 35 from one K.J. Williams. We'll recap that here shortly. We'll also talk college baseball. The LSU Tigers, top team in the country. They're in Round Rock, Texas, preparing for the Carbock Brewing Round Rock Classic. They will take on Kansas State tomorrow at 2 o'clock. You can catch that right here on the game. We'll also talk about the Raging Cajuns getting a big win last night to open the four-game series with BYU. And we'll preview game two tonight. Also at the Teague, first pitch set for 6 o'clock right as we get off the air here on Crunch Time. My main man, the producer extraordinaire, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Thursday slash Friday. Is it a Thursday? Yeah, it's a something. Thursday fun show? It is a Thursday fun show. I mean, why not? It's why a, not? Why, I mean, not? I mean, why not? How could you be mad at all, that? All, all bets are off this week. Exactly. This week has been so wild. It, it's been a very interesting week, it, it, I guess you could say. It's so strange. But how are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How about you, Matt? I'm good. I'm good. LSU won. They did. Finally. I know. We've been sitting here for months, literally months now, talking about, is it going to come tonight? Is it going to come tonight? Well, it finally showed up. Nothing like getting toward the end of February to finally get your first win of 2023. And it was, it was a game where I feel like they had it in hand pretty, pretty early, early on. on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you look at the final score, they win at 84 to 77. Again, KJ Williams going 35 points on 13 of 25 shooting. But this was a game where at the first media break, Vandy was only up 10 to 5. And then you go a little later on in the first half, and next thing you know, LSU's got a six-point lead, and they take a seven-point lead into the locker room. And then in the second half, it was really... It was a close second half, but it felt like it was more LSU than it was Vandy. But you look at some of the stats. We've always, I've always said when talking about LSU basketball this year that you need K.J. Williams to have a good game, and then you need someone... To back him up. KJ Williams brought you 35 and 10. So he did his job. Who's going to back him up? Adam Miller. Adam Miller comes in with 18 and 5 boards. Now, Adam Miller didn't get his 18 points the way you typically would expect him to. Adam Miller is your three-point shooter. You ex- you would ex- if you would have expected him to get his points from the line. He was one for four from downtown. He was 4 for 10 from the field. Where Adam Miller got his points 
That was going, charity stripe, baby. Was going 9 of 10 from the charity stripe. It is imperative that you get a guy that goes to the line 8 to 10 times a game and can make 70% of them. You will win basketball games that way. You will. A guy that is aggressive, gets to the rim, draws contact, and makes the opponent pay at the free throw line is crucial for a team to win basketball games. So huge performance from Adam Miller, even bigger performance from K.J. Williams. And following the win, K.J. Williams spoke with the media and said he gives credit to his teammates for finding him and giving him the open opportunities. With me uh, scoring those 20 of our next 33, um, just credit to my teammates for finding me. Um, and my, also the coaches uh, drawing up plays for me to get wide open shots, um, looking at the defense because there's a lot of space out there. Um, and it, it was just something that, that, we, uh, that we got to attack. Uh, of course, if you see a lot of space, um, why not attack it? Um, and credit to my teammates. They, they found me in the open spots, and I, I knocked them down. James, what stood out to you uh, about this game? I know you were kind of watching it from afar considering you were covering the Cajuns last night. But just looking at, at the statistics, LSU only turned the ball over seven times. That's been an issue for them this season. It was a rel- relatively low turnover game for both yep. teams. But what I really liked is... Even though Adam Miller, he only went one for four, KJ made five out of ten himself. And for the team, they actually shot 43%. And we have been seeing very low 30s when it came came to the Tigers shooting from behind the arc. But this time you're shooting 43 as a team. That's how you're going to win games. You shot the the basketball better. The defense will keep you in games. But to win the games, you got to make your free throws, which is what what the guys did. But you also got to shoot well from three. And overall, 45% overall from the floor, 43, made 9 out of 21 shots. I mean, that that's a good night. So here's, here's the thing that's interesting to me. you got three games left now. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you can get another one or two? Well, can you, can, you, can you end the regular season with a, like, three out of four? So here's what's interesting. You got the win over Vandy. A game that most people didn't expect you to win. Granted, people didn't expect you to win many games from here on out the way the losing streak had been going. But now you've got some confidence rolling. You're going to go on the road to play Ole Miss on Saturday. They're bad. They are bad. And I kind of like Ole Miss. They've got two former Cajuns over there and Brock Morris uh, on, on the coaching staff. And then you have Theo Akuba playing at Ole Miss. So, you know, I, I kind of keep up with them. They're bad. LSU could get a win there. LSU could create a winning streak. Then you come back home to play Missouri, a team that you went on the road, a good team that you went to their house, and you only lost by 10. If you come into that game with a little bit of momentum, teams playing well, who knows? Who knows? And then you round out the game, or you round out the season, at Florida, a team that has not been very good as of late. They've struggled. And it's like, even even then with Missouri as well, it's not like they've been on the prettiest streak either. They've gone 3-3 three and three in their last six. Correct. So, 2-2? 3-1? Maybe 3-1? and one? 
seems kind of likely. Say you go three and one. You're 15 and 16 at the end of the season? It's not great. No. And obviously there was the big 14-game losing streak in the middle of the season. But if you can end your season two and two, three and four, or hey, if you're if you're just that hot, you end the season four and zero. Oh, mm-hmm. That's how you can go into moment. That's how you can get some momentum to end the season and carry try and carry it over to next season to get some recruits, have the team become better. But here's what this would do. To add on to that, if you go three and one down the final stretch, mm-hmm. you're going to create momentum heading into the tournament. Yeah, because you're going to make the tournament. You're you're gonna you're gonna play on that opening night, the Wednesday night, because on the first game of the tournament is the twelve versus the thirteen, and then the second game on that Wednesday night is the eleven versus the fourteen. So, the way it's lining up right now, everybody's getting in. Now, when Oklahoma and Texas come into the fold and it's a sixteen-team league, well, then you you might have some people on the outside looking in. But as it stands right now, LSU's getting in the tournament. So if you can go three and one in the final four, you're going to create some momentum. Sure, the the schedule doesn't look great. You're 15 and 16. You have a losing record, whatever. But you're going to be feeling really good about yourself. And everybody knows tournament basketball. You never, ever know what's going to happen. It's it's damn near impossible to predict. Why do you think they come up with you, these brackets? <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Because like you can think one team, they're unstoppable. Like you, like you can look at Kentucky, or plenty of other schools that are top tier for basketball, and then sometimes they get bounced in the first round. Yep, for sure. And th- and that that's the beauty of the month of March in college basketball. You just never. You have to watch every second of every game because you never know when something wild's going to happen. And that's why March Madness is one of the best times of the year, in my opinion. But Matt McMahon. Spoke with the media following the win as well. And he told the media that even during their 14-game losing streak, they didn't talk about the streak much. Oh, I thought so. I thought so, Sheldon. And, you know, the, the streak is something we certainly don't don't spend much time talking about. We try and focus on doing the things that we need to do to play better, uh, to get better as a team and find ways to win. And I thought our players were really locked into that. Um you know, one thing that stands out, I thought Vandy obviously punched us in the face there to start the second half, three straight drives to get it down to one. Uh, they went on another run in the second half, and, and our guys responded both times. And oftentimes when you're going through, uh, you know, a losing stretch, uh, sometimes you just find another way to lose. And, and I thought our guys were, were really dialed in to, to doing the things necessary uh, to win the game. You know, only seven turnovers. 15 assists on our 27 made baskets, so we're over two to one there. Uh, you know, really solid on the glass. Uh, got to the free throw line and converted. And uh, you know, we look back at Saturday's game, you know, where we got to the free throw line. If you include one and ones, ten times more than our opponent, and we got outscored by three. You know, tonight we're plus seven at the free throw line. Um, so you know, credit to our players. Once again, LSU will be on the road to Oxford tomorrow, or excuse me, Saturday, to take on Ole Miss in a 7-30 contest. Again, a game that LSU 
could very well win and start creating some momentum like we talked about as they head into the postseason with the SEC tournament taking place in Nashville that second weekend in March. Your poll question of the day. The Saints have been linked to Derek Carr for a long time now. Things are still developing there. You're still kind of waiting to see what he's going to do, what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, that kook. And a couple other you know, dominoes have to fall. Let's say the Saints don't sign Derek Carr. What do you do? Do you go get another veteran? Do you bring back Andy Dalton, who knows your system? Love him or hate him, he knows your system. Or do you draft a rookie? So far on Twitter... 55% say draft a rookie. 30% say bring in another veteran. And 16% say bring back the crawfish. Not not a whole lot of love for Andy Dalton. I mean, I don't blame you. Uh, I'm not an Andy Dalton fan either. But, and, you know, later a little bit later on, we'll get into why I think Andy Dalton might be a better situation than some people care to admit. I don't love it. I don't want to see him playing quarterback. I'd much rather see Derek Carr play quarterback for the Saints. But if worse comes to worse, Andy Dalton might not be a bad option. So we'll take a time out. When we return, we'll talk about that and much more here on Crunch Time. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the Games Charity Golf Scramble benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by courtesy of Bro Bridge. Hit the links at Farm Alley while supporting a great cause with all proceeds from the tournament going towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and Courtesy Bro Bridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can make a difference. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 419, almost 420 here on your Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We're going to get back to the Saints conversation, but first, Cajuns baseball opened Russo Park last night with a four-game series against BYU in a contest where BYU came into Lafayette as a top 50 baseball program in America. And it showed because early on, they were moving base runners and they were mowing down some Cajuns batters. And things were getting, it it was interesting. Uh, BYU scored a run in the very first inning of the contest. And then the Cajuns kind of settled in a a little bit there for, you know, for a couple innings with, you know, the next run not coming till the top of the third when the Cajuns tied the game 
on a C.J. Willis RBI single to score Will Veyon, or excuse me, to score John Taylor. And then you, you went a little further into the contest, and the hero of this game was Mason Zambo, which is incredible to see because Mason Zambo was a guy that struggled to crack the lineup a year ago. And now he's settling in as a key piece for the Cajuns, you know, four games through the season so far. Uh, Zambo gets an RBI single to, to right field in the bottom of the fourth to score Julian Brock. That tied the game. And then you had BYU come up with two runs in the seventh, and all of a sudden it's three to one. And feels like the door's kind of closing for the Cajuns. But then you had a walk. You had a well, actually you had a hit batter. Then you had a walk. So you put two runners on. Then an error moved both of them into scoring position. And then Mason Zambo comes up once again and delivers with an RBI single to left, scoring both runs, tying the game yet again. And a little later on in the inning, after Zambo was pinch ran by Ben Robichaux, Caleb Stelly gets a single to left field to bring in Robichaux to bring in the game-winning run for the Cajuns to win the the contest 4-3. to three. Uh, Blake Marshall closed out the game on the mound one of the first times he's pitched in close to two years. After dealing with multiple arm injuries, he pitched one and two-thirds innings, striking out all five batters that he faced. And following the contest, head coach Matt Deggs met with the media and gave his thoughts on the win. No errors and, and two walks on the night. I knew that we could pitch baseball and we needed a start like that. And Tib was adamant he wanted Moody to go out and he did. He looked like a big bull, big Brahman bull out there tonight. They got to him early, but he didn't flinch. No glass jaw uh, and winds up finishing the game really with three pitches uh, all for strikes and could have stayed out there. but. I don't want to run his pitch count up. It's his third appearance already, and it's, it's too early in the season. I thought David came in, had a great tempo. They just they strung a couple of knocks together on him. Uh, and then Coop matches up, and, and uh, then Marsh comes in with that that, uh, that dagger slider he had tonight, and that was that. He was able to locate it. When he can locate it, he's tough. Yeah, you know, talking about Blake Marshall, it's not often that you see five uh, a pitcher face five batters and strike out every single one of them. Uh, so now the Cajuns will take that win and will play game two tonight. Tommy Ray going on the bump for the Cajuns against BYU, looking to make it 4-1 and one to start the 2023 season. But going back to the, the poll question, to the New Orleans Saints conversation, let's say you don't get Derek Carr, James. Your next best option is Jimmy Garoppolo. Real, realistic. Yeah, realistically, because you're not getting Lamar Jackson. You're not. you're not getting Aaron Rodgers either. You're not getting Aaron Rodgers. You're just not. So that's not even that's not even a possibility for the Saints right now. I think, I think the Saints will try and do their due diligence to try because, like they did with Deshaun Watson last year, I think. Oh yeah, you can see that they'll make calls and like throw out some deals, see yeah. if anything sticks with Lamar. But I ultimately don't think that the Saints are going to end up with Lamar Jackson at quarterback next year. Nope. So, 
and Aaron Rodgers is either going to just stay with the Packers. I don't want and that just kooky te- anyway. And just tease us. Cause like just looking at like just looking at the Green Bay sky like man, or looking at looking at the crowd at Lambo like man it's my last one, but then still come back for another year just just to throw everyone off. That guy's a kook. But realistically, Carr and Garoppolo are your first two options, and then after that, you're kind of just scrambling because people have thrown out just bring back Andy Dalton. People have just thrown out bringing Baker Mayfield. People have brought up just like. Getting these other quarterbacks or drafting somebody. It's like to me, these are all relatively the same in my eyes. I almost think you just bring back Andy Dalton because he knows the system. As much as I hate that, I mean, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, some people have said play Taysom Hill at quarterback. I don't know that I love that option, but. Then that kind of creates a whole nother cap situation. If you're looking at Andy Dalton, Baker Mayfield, Mike White, like. If you're looking at the free agent names, if you don't get Carr or Garoppolo, I think you would just bring back Andy Dalton and maybe draft a guy this year. Maybe use one of your mid-round picks to draft a guy that you think's got some upside and he can sit for a year or two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then you go back to the drawing board. But I just don't think... As much as I would love to see Baker Mayfield work out somewhere, because I said from the jump that I thought he'd be a great NFL quarterback, and so far I've been proven to be horribly wrong, I don't think it's in New Orleans. And I don't want the drama that comes with him either. Saints have enough drama right now with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. They got enough, they got enough of that going on. They don't need more. So if you don't get Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo, which look, I think Derek Carr is still a very viable option. I still think the Saints are the front runner to get him right now. I think I think the order would go Derek, Garoppolo, and then Andy Dalton. Correct. If you don't get Carr or Garoppolo, I think you I think you just bring back Andy Dalton. Which I'm not hyped up on, but I think if the Saints are going to go draft a quarterback, and like you want Hendon Hooker, I I think the only the only time they would go get him and like go take a shot is if he's in the third round. See, and I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna be on the board that long. And then, I don't think he's gonna then, be on the board and, that long. Then at that point, then you just don't get him, and then either you just take a shot at somebody else in the third or fourth yep. round or later, or you just don't draft a quarterback at all. Because how often do you see the Saints draft quarterbacks? Uh, not very. And how many of them have even been relatively okay? Well, I mean, the only two I can remember in recent memory that's been drafted was Ian Book and Garrett Grayson. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them worked. Yes. And I can't think of anybody before that. Yeah, off off top. I'm, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I I, I can't remember anybody those Saints have drafted. Like it's, it's just something in my that lifetime, at least. It's something that they don't do very often, and they're not very successful with it. I mean, hell, they haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round since Archie. Correct. And you know, love that or, was that was a love love or hate Archie. Archie wasn't a superstar. He only kind of became popular over the last few years. Yeah, he, like he, and he more wasn't recently. A superstar. It didn't help that he had nothing nobody, around him. Nobody to help him, but... But, yeah, I mean, Ar- Ar- Archie wasn't this Hall of Fame-type quarterback like his 
sons turned out to be. But uh, again, I, I know that the people don't want to see Andy Dalton in a Saints uniform next year. I don't really want to see that either. But I would rather somebody that knows the system and can do enough. And that's the whole thing with the Saints is they really value familiarity. Of course. That's why even Chris Banjo that got released today, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe at some point, depending on what the special teams looks like, if someone goes down with an injury, hey, Chris, you want to come back? No. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and look, it, it's just one of those things where you, you've you got to find what works. And as much as James and I w- would like to see Jameis Winston get a fair opportunity, it's just not in New Orleans. Uh, unfortunately, it's just it's just not in New Orleans. So we'll see how it plays out. Derek Carr's got time to to kind of make this decision. I I really think the first domino that's going to fall is Aaron Rodgers. Where's Rodgers going to go? What's Rodgers going to do? And then every other team kind of just figures out, okay, well, now our options are this and that, this and that, and dominoes will start to fall from there. Let's go to the game hotline. Frank, what's up? Uh, not a lot. How you all, bro? Uh, fantastic, sir. When you're going to point at the elephant in the room? Which is? Dennis Allen. Well, he's not a head coach. All, I mean, I've, I've, well, here, all here's his point to him. Here's the thing, Frank. I have been pointing at him since week five of the 2022 season. And every time I try to do it, I'll give the guy a chance. It's, it's his first year. So I, I'm not even barking up that tree anymore. I agree with you. I agree with well, you 100%. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna continue to bark. I mean, he's not fit for the job. He proved it once. Now he's proven it twice. The, man the only is, reason they had the record they had is because of the player, uh, the players that they have. The man is 18 and 38 as a head coach. My point exactly. So why why are we looking? Why why are we shouting for get this guy, get this guy, get this guy? Because I was comfortable with Andy Dalton. He's a game manager. I was fine with him. You know, Teddy Two Gloves. If they would bring him back, I'd be okay with that. But but it all the head of the snake the snake has got to be changed because he's not aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100. percent Um, I mean, I, I wanted Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael both to be fired at the end of the season, and neither one Amen of them got fired. That. So, I don't know. Now now you now you're trying to make lemonade out of some rotten lemons. I don't know. Well, you can't make chicken salad out of the other stuff that comes out of chickens. So this is the thing that's going to happen. They're going to be stuck with Dennis Allen for another year, and Saints fans are going to hope and pray, man, just one more game, just one more game, the same way we did last year, and then crap is going to happen. Yep. So what, what, what's the next step that needs to be taken? You, it's going to be a rebuild. That's going to happen. Yep. No. Again, I, I don't agree with you. A re, uh, I don't disagree with you. A rebuild's imminent. Imminent. Absolutely. Thank you, boys, for taking the call. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate you, Frank. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely the elephant in the room. And and I I'm sorry. I gave Dennis Allen too much credit with his coaching record, James. I said he was 18 and 38. Gave the man three more wins. He's 15 and 38 as a head coach in the NFL. It's not good. The science experiment 
didn't work. Let, let's pour let's pour a new chemical down the volcano and see if if something erupts. Because because the Dennis Allen didn't work. Matthew Bruni joins us next to talk LSU basketball right here on the game. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 437 here. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. If you want to get in on the action, LSU basketball got played last night in the PMAC, and it's finally a positive conversation. Once again, LSU takes down Vanderbilt 84-77, to led by 35 from K.J. Williams. To talk about that and... More about all things LSU is our guy, Matthew Bruni, who covers LSU for Bengal Tiger on three. Matthew, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, starting to get in the mid-80s out here in Baton Rouge now. So uh, start a, the winter is finally, and not that it was ever really here, but it's definitely over now. Yeah. What, can can we talk about, are, are you happy that it's in the 80s now? <laughs> Um, I'm from South Texas, so yeah, I'm pretty, I mean, it's pretty much just how I'm all, how I've always lived. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've lived in South Louisiana my whole life, so I, I get it, but man, yeah. I'm like, can, can the sixties and fifties just hang around for a little bit longer? Hey, at least to March. Right. Right. To March. Like give us something, give us a spring at least, but right. no. So l- looking at the game last night, I- I've said this throughout the entire losing streak. In order for LSU to get a win, you need K.J. Williams to have a great game, and then you need somebody to back him up. And LSU finally got that last night. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty pretty much spot on. I mean, I think K.J., even though, I mean, he's had a, a really great year, if you just look at it objectively, um, I, I think the past month or so he has, he hasn't rebounded great. He hasn't been great defensively. Like, there have been question marks. He's been a little... Teams have started attacking him um, on the offensive side of the ball, even to where he's kind of been taken out of games at times. So Vanderbilt, and I, I think looking back on this, this was kind of predictable. Vanderbilt trots out there Liam Robbins, a seven-foot center, number twenty-one, and just plays drop coverage uh, in the pick and rolls the whole game. And LSU just kept picking and popping with KJ Williams, and he makes five out of ten threes, and um, then gets. Gets, gets a rhythm and gets on the block, scores, and uh, just really has a great game. And so this was a great matchup for KJ. And then, like you said, Adam Miller to come in with 18 points. I think the biggest thing for Adam was getting to the line 10 times. Vanderbilt was uh, really trying to take away his three-point shot, even though he's struggled in that regard. And he drove it to the rim, got fouled, got to the free throw line. And, um, yeah, just Vanderbilt's defense <laughs> kind of was susceptible to what LSU – could do and that was the result so uh, yeah huge game I mean 84 points for this team is like 100 for most teams no absolutely they, ha- they hadn't scored what what was the number above 77 in the losing streak I, I want to say was was the highest 
scoring total they had had during the losing streak. But, you know, looking at kind of how the game went and and players that stood out maybe for the the wrong reasons, one one guy that I've noticed, Matthew, is, is Trey Hannibal. When SEC play started, especially that win over Arkansas, Trey Hannibal was influential. And ever since then, it feels like his role, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has kind of decreased. I mean, last night he didn't take a single shot. Why, why do you think that is? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you said, those two games to start conference play, Trey, Trey Hannibal, I mean, he was SEC Player of the Week. And it's obviously Trey Hannibal, you know, he was with South Carolina, then at Murray State he was very solid. I mean, then he comes over here. I just personally, you know, couldn't really wrap my head around a player that couldn't shoot, you know, wasn't a great passer at a high turnover rate, uh, wasn't a great defender, just didn't do a lot of things well. And then the the Kentucky and Arkansas games happen, you're like, oh, maybe there, maybe there's something to this. They can figure it out. Well, since then, I mean, um, he might have as many made baskets over the last six games as he had in that Ar- uh, in that Arkansas game. Uh, so it's just. It's asking a lot from a player that's so limited, uh, has a very limited skill set. I mean, it's similar with with Juice Hill. Uh, when you have a guard that just can't really shoot the ball and isn't great defensively, it's hard in the SEC. And um, it, it, against the defenses that you're going to play, um, at Murray State you might get away with them, but I think we've seen over time their limitations and their skill sets just aren't quite uh, up to snuff in the SEC. You know, after the game last night, Matt McMahon – told the media that things seemed kind of different for the the team you know in the in the 48 hours leading up to the game and he, he felt that something was clicking for this group what do you think changed from this week leading up to the Vanderbilt game compared to the the two and a half months of the losing streak yeah I mean you would think coming off of that South Carolina loss and even the Georgia loss I mean this team would just can be at an all-time low as far as morale goes and you hoped that you know playing at home against Vanderbilt maybe you could find some rhythm but Vanderbilt had won five straight um it was definitely the smallest attendance of, the, of any men's game this year I think um so there wasn't a lot to really hold on to but I I want to give credit to the coaching staff and these upperclassmen for continuing to buy in and continuing to show up I mean I as much you know, I just talked about Trey Hannibal and Justice Hill and how limited they are. But hey, they bought in. They've come off the bench. They've played significant minutes. I mean, Juice plays twenty-seven. Trey plays twenty-two. Trey had the team best plus-minus. I thought Derek found even though he only scored two points, set the tone early. Uh, so again, you just have these guys that have played enough basketball and are mature to where they are they showed up to play they showed up to work for you know a lack of a better term and then you get the three freshmen in there that are still hungry to prove themselves and Tyrell Ward Jalen Reed Sean Phillips and I think that just made for a team that played hard um last uh last night and then you know like I mentioned I think Vanderbilt kind of played into it as well letting LSU kind of get going Chatting with Matthew Bruni of Bengal Tiger on three. Looking ahead for the men's schedule, they will travel to Oxford, Mississippi to take on Ole Miss Saturday night. Ole Miss, the the, the worst team in the SEC right now. Um, can LSU men's basketball start a win streak? <laughs> is, is 
I mean, Ole Miss and LSU have the same uh, same conference record. So are we just being we being homers and saying Ole Miss is the worst team? I mean, <laughs> may, maybe maybe a little, <laughs> maybe a little. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the thing about Ole Miss is it's it's hard because their two wins this year have come against or in conference have come on the road at South Carolina, on the road at Georgia. So they've at least beaten some of the other bad teams. But they did lose to South Carolina at home uh, by three. So, uh, and we just saw South Carolina push Alabama. I think South Carolina has some, some talent, obviously. But Ole Miss is a team that's also under first uh, first year coach. Uh, I'm sorry, not first year coach, uh, but they're under Kermit Davis, who's been there for a while. But they don't have an identity, and that's the problem with them. They're outside the top 100 in both offense and defense. I I just think. If LSU can get K.J. Williams going like they did, and I, the early part of the game is so important to them. We've seen so many times where they scored 14 points and a half, 17 points in the first half. I mean, I don't expect them to score 39 like they did yesterday, but if they can just score 30 points in the first half, I think it gives them confidence going forward, and um, we'll see. I mean, a lot of Ole Miss fans want Kermit Davis out of there, so <laughs> we'll see. Before we let you run, Matthew, LSU women's basketball is going to be on the road tonight playing Vanderbilt at 6.30. LSU's an 18-point favorite in this one. I mean, Angel Reese, Flauge Johnson, Jasmine Carson, Alexis Morris. That That's kind of the recipe, right? Yeah, and I, I wrote a story earlier this week kind of detailing how that they had a real tough seven-game stretch where they were played five games by single digits, lost to South Carolina, and just wrote about Flage and uh, Jasmine Carson and how they were kind of down for that stretch. I think these games, we saw it with Florida, and I think we'll see it again tonight with Vanderbilt. We'll see those two especially continue to come into their own, continue to gain confidence, because you know what you're going to get from Angel Reese day in, day out. You hope Alexis Morris in big games is going to show up every time, but Flage and Jasmine Carson are two that, need to reach their ceiling for this team to uh, reach its potential. So that was um, that's what I'm going to be looking for tonight. I expect them to take care of business. Um, Vanderbilt was, is a pretty well-coached team. I, I've been kind of impressed with them from what I watched. But still, I think LSU is, at this point, is still playing with a chip on its shoulder trying to prove itself and trying to secure a number one overall or number one seed in the tournament. Matthew Bruni of Bengal Tiger on three joining us here on the game hotline matthew appreciate your time as always enjoy the women's game tonight uh great work at the Bengal tiger and uh, we'll talk to you again soon my friend yeah thanks for having me anytime and there he goes matthew bruni of Bengal tiger on three sports by the way if you haven't checked out his article that he just talked about with lsu women's basketball it is a great read on the Bengal tigers website Bengal tiger on three we'll take a timeout wrap up our number one after this james mesh wants to talk aaron Rodgers. we'll do that next this is crunch time on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros now if you want to hear or if you want to take a trip to paradise city or maybe, you know, welcome yourself into the jungle. Uh, see what I did there? Guns N' Roses is playing Minute Maid Park on September 28th, and we want to help you see GNR live 
in person. And you can do so by simply sending a text. To score tickets via the Games Text Club, text ROSES to 337-283-8100. That's ROSES to 337-283-8100. And you'll be eligible to score tickets to see Guns N' Roses live at the Juice Box, courtesy of the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. This man, Aaron Rodgers, finally back from his darker treat. It was funny because they finally showed the pictures of where he was. Dude was, that, dude was at Mr. Tumnus's house. Nah, man. Dude walked into the portal that took him to Narnia. That place was wild. That was the reference I was making. I know. I know the reference you were making. I was aware. So, when obviously I knew, which talking about a darkness retreat, that he was going to be like, Cut off from the outside world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was going to be there. Were, you really gonna, weren't going to really worry about electronics and stuff. Like he was going to get away from all that. It was going to be a really simple life for the next few days. Looking at the pictures, I mean, the bed, very simple, couple carpet rugs yeah. on the floor. The tub actually looked kind of nice. It did. The tub tub it looked did. like the best part. I I just and like I I, I guess. When you're that by yourself, you have no choice but to think. But it's like, dude, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Do you sleep? You sit there and trip. You sit there on your Ayashka or whatever the hell it's called. Ayahuasca. And just be alone with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You just think. Because it's not like you could go outside and do anything. The place was surrounded by snow. What do you? What do you? What do you do? Ah, look. I hope it worked for him. I hope he figured out what he wanted to do because everybody's kind of waiting on him. I really do think after this, he's gonna be like one more year, one more year with the Packers. I think he comes back for one more year, but I don't think it's with the Packers. I. <clears throat> I do not think it's with the Packers. Because I wonder if he does that, comes back another year, what does Jordan Love do? Does he request a trade? Oh, yeah. You have to. You have to. Jordan Love has proven. I know it's a small sample size, but Jordan Love has proven that if he is put in the right situation, he could be a good quarterback in the NFL. Now, ask me to define good top 20. Like at worst, he's the bottom of the middle. Because this, because twenty twenty three is Jordan Love's final year of his regular contract, but they can pick the Packers can pick up his fifth year option since he was a first round pick. If I'm Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers comes back, and I know that there are eight to ten teams that are in the market for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Trade me. Trade me. I can't sit here forever. There's no hard feelings, no disrespect, but I can't sit here forever. I need to go somewhere where I'm going to at least have the opportunity to play. 
it is going to be interesting to see where he does end up going if he goes anywhere. I think he's going to the, I still think he's going to the Jets. Jets. If he's going to the Jets, you think Derek Carr's coming to the Saints? I think then, Derek Carr comes to the Saints. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo goes to the Raiders. Either goes to the Raiders or stays in San Fran. Since that's where that's Josh McDaniels' guy. Same Correct. thing with Jarrett Stidham. I mean, those are two quarterbacks in New England when and then Daniels was there coaching. Lamar, who knows? Who knows? I think, I think with that, kind of thinking about it early on, Lamar, he's going to. St- Day, and I think they're going to sign him to a huge deal. But then after the first year, that after this coming up season, you're going to see a lot of things go but, on with Baltimore where you're like... But here's my question. Here's my question. And obviously, we're, we're running out of time to deep dive into this. But if Lamar... If the Baltimore Ravens signed Lamar to the big deal that he's wanted, mm-hmm. what the hell took so long? Why did it take you so long? Someone caved in. The the length of time that it is taking for Baltimore and Lamar to get a deal done tells me that Lamar won't return. And if he does return, I mean, good for them, but I don't understand what the hell took so long. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, but hour number one in the books, hour number two, we're going to kick it off with our guy Jake Crane, who has kind of sparked a debate on Twitter in Baton Rouge. Is there a quarterback controversy? At LSU, we'll chop it up with him next to kick off hour number two of Crunch Time. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on our simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we recapped LSU basketball finally getting off the losing skid, taking down Vandy. We also talked some college baseball LSU headed to Round Rock. The Cajuns get a big win at home last night over BYU. Game two tonight at Russo Park. And much more here in hour number two. We're going to rank NFL quarterbacks. And where does Derek Carr fit into all this? We're going to talk some McNeese Cowboys for our friends in Lake Charles. And much more. But we're going to kick it off with our guy Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company for Jake's Takes. Jake, what's going on, bud? How are you? What is going on, guys? I'm doing fantastic. How are y'all? Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, that is, I'm jacked to hear that. Other than the fact that it's 80-something degrees in February. What, you're complaining about it? Look, after I lived in Montana for a year. I hope it's 800 degrees after living through that. Uh, 80 degrees in February? Sign me up, baby. Where's the beach? Oh, man. I just I, could, could we just have 60s for another month and then it get hot? Look, I love the 60s, you know, bell bottoms and daisy chains. But no, nah, man, I look, I'm, I just don't like the cold. Just don't be cold and I'm good. So let's start with Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's out of his darkness retreat. You know, what do you, what do you think he learned? Look, I, Aaron still doesn't know what he – I think Aaron does know what he wants to do. I've actually got a theory on this. I'm leading off in the show. But I've got a couple of questions after reading this. 
You mean to tell me that somebody built Gandalf's house in the middle of hundreds of acres of forested land in southern Oregon, and rich people are just paying to sit in the dark, and it's booked for 18 months? Man, that is the smartest business plan ever. You got guys walking into coal mines, man, guys that work on cranes, guys that drop out of helicopters behind enemy lines, and you could have just built a little hut and have rich people sit in the dark? Greatest business plan ever. The dude's a genius. Number two, what exactly is a hobbit-like structure? Like, what, what, is it, what does it mean to be a hobbit-like? Like, is it like uh, got an oval door next to the side of a hill or something like that? And the third thing is, if Aaron Rodgers took ayahuasca during his last retreat, what in God's name do you take on a darkness retreat? I mean, what do you ingest pain or anger? Like, I just look. Aaron Rodgers hadn't won a Super Bowl since 2011. I know he was league MVP in 2020 and 2021, but he knows quarterbacks aren't judged on this. And one way that Aaron Rodgers has been able to stay relevant, like he like he's been a championship quarterback when he hasn't since Adele released "Rolling in the Deep," is by doing this. Now, why do you think he left early? I don't know. Have you ever sat in the dark for a while? Maybe it just sucked. Like, maybe he, yeah, maybe he just realized, like, wait a minute, I just spent all this money to sit in the dark? Like, you, congrats. Probably everybody that goes on one of those realizes about halfway through that we was robbed. We was, was robbed. I was about to say, he walked in on Monday, was prepared to enter four days, and he left on Wednesday. Yeah, look, man, again, you, you signed up to pay a lot of money, which... I mean, the way the economy is right now, money doesn't go a long way. But he has, you know, walking around big boy money, and you spend it to sit in the dark in the middle of the woods. They use It's like the start of the Blair Witch Project, man. You couldn't pay me to go sit into a dark room by myself in the middle of the woods in southern Oregon. Are you kidding? So do you think he returns to Green Bay? I'll guess, yes, I think he does. But I don't think it's the best thing for him and the Packers. It's like, you know, the couple that stays together until the kids graduate high school and then get divorced? Y'all won y'all Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy's gone. The Packers don't have the pieces right now to win the Super Bowl. You don't. You have to, I think they should just shake hands with Aaron Rodgers. Here, somebody go else. Eat. Hey, Jet, eat this cap money. We'll rebuild this thing. You know, we got a Super Bowl together. Thanks for the memories. Uh, let's just shake hands and, and part ways. One more question on this before we move on. Looking at all the free agent quarterbacks and the teams that need a quarterback, is Aaron Rodgers going to be the first domino to fall? Like, is everybody else waiting to see what Rodgers does? You know, Aaron always waits till the last minute. So I think waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers does, I mean, if you hold your breath, you're going to die. I mean, what, what I'm waiting to see is, what does Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson do? Now, Derek Carr said, you know, he's going to take his time, go to every place, and I guess go to the podium and cry to see how it feels at each place. Uh, but I actually think Lamar, even though they keep saying it's so far apart, the Ravens, you, you have to sign Lamar. Like, what do you guys do? It's your only move. What's your other move? There is no move. You got Mark Andrews, and who's fantastic. But outside of that, you got who, Rashad Bateman. Ooh, really scared about that. Devin Duvernay? Oh, hold on. Let me, please. I'm shaking in my space boots. I mean, you guys gave away Hollywood Brown. If you give away Lamar, you're never going to win. 
So let's let's talk college football for a moment. You know, we've talked about LSU a lot with you during the season. Great first year under Brian Kelly. Now there's a conversation about the quarterback position in in, in Baton Rouge. Jaden Daniels does a hell of a job leading this team in 2022. Not only are we wrong, Garrett Nussmeyer has thrown has shown some great flashes both in the title game and in in seasons past as well. But is there really a quarterback controversy? Well, look, if I want flashes, I'll go down to Mardi Gras. Jaden Daniels showed you what he could do. Like he gives you the best chance to win. You beat Bama because Jaden Daniels can run. Like it's that's the ultimate he doesn't have to be the greatest thrower in the world, and he actually is a natural thrower of the ball. And you saw him, once he pushed the ball down the field, become a guy that is one of the biggest threats in college football. LSU, stop. Stop it. Garrett Nussmeyer is a good backup. Jaden Daniels, it'd be different if he didn't earn the job. Jaden Daniels came in year one and won the SEC West. Why are in, And in a year where nobody's returning a quarterback in the SEC, basically, outside of South Carolina, there's a quarterback battle. There is no quarterback battle. Jaden Daniels is going to be the quarterback. This is just somebody just made this up and put it on a pigeon's foot and send it down to Baton Rouge, and everybody started talking about it. What are some crazy draft night or, or pre-NFL draft trades that you could see going down? Does Chicago stay at number one, in your opinion? No way, right? There's no way. I mean, uh, you, that, that thing is going to be worth its weight in gold. you got Justin Fields. They'd be crazy if they move Justin Fields. I love Jalen Carter, but guess what? If you trade up with the Colts, everybody else in front of you pretty much needs a quarterback. So you're, you're going to get something and get the same thing that you wanted if it is Jalen Carter. Uh, you know, is it Will Anderson? I don't know. But I think they're going to trade it, and I'm going I'm to tell you this. If the Colts move up, and draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson at number one, they are not going to be even remotely close to competitive. This is going to set him back five years. It's going to set him back five years, especially Will Levis. I so think the- Anthony Richardson has a chance. But you had people releasing, you know, drafts that – I mean, CBS Sports isn't just some rag that's thrown out there. I mean, these are guys that have been doing this for a while. Saying the Colts could move to number one to draft Anthony Richardson. And look, I get it, Shane Steichen. You, you got your bag and got this job because you had a dual-threat quarterback. But Anthony Richardson is not going to be able to come in and do what Jalen Hurts has done. Because you want to know why? You have the most underperforming and overpaid offensive line in the NFL. The reason the Eagles offense worked, yeah, they had nice weapons on the outside with, with uh, Brown and, and Devontae Smith and Goddard's nice at tight end. But your offensive line was elite. That's why it worked. I think he may be kind of kind of getting drinking his own ego juice saying, well, I can fix anybody. I fix Jalen Hurts. I can fix Anthony Richardson. It don't work out like that typically. Well, here's the problem. You know, we're talking about Anthony Richardson. Sure, he's got nice arm talent, and, and there's plenty of upside there. But in, that, in today's NFL, you draft a guy number one overall. He's starting in September. Yeah, and, I mean, and he's not like ready for that. Ticket in Pittsburgh, you just slowly, you know, put let him see it, give him a little taste, see how he adjusts, and then decide if you're going to let it ride with him or not. Like, like it, it's guys reach in the NFL all the time, all the time they reach in the NFL because when you have nothing to do but just overthink everything, you know what you do? You overthink everything. If you want a quarterback, draft Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud at number one, if that's what you want, if you make that trade with the Bears. To me, I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the draft, 
And it is going to be laughable when Mel Kuyper and all these guys who, to me, if, if vampires are real, Mel Kuyper's 100% from Transylvania. But that's another point for another day. But they're going to be talking about, oh, well, Will Levis this, Will Levis that. Every time I wipe my eyes with Will Levis, I see Jake Locker or Mitch Trubisky. Now, look, looking talking to NFL Draft, looking at the Saints, say they do acquire Derek Carr because I do believe that the Saints are still the front runner to get him. Does that change the Saints' draft mindset at all? I mean, yeah, it's got to, right? I mean, you're not signing Derek Carr for one year. If you're going to get Derek Carr, like you're you're making an investment. And when you look around at the division, I get it. I mean, the division, you get Derek Carr, the Saints, to me, are the favorite to win the division right now. I think the Bucks. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. We'll see. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to scare the hell out of anybody. And uh, we know about the Panthers and the Falcons right now. So if you're the Saints and you get Derek Carr, and, and maybe Michael Thomas can stay healthy. I know that's like counting on Anthony Davis to stay healthy. Uh, but it does change the way you look at the draft because now your biggest piece that you really needed is taken care of, and you can work on putting the armor around the machine. You th- so you think? Do you think Michael Thomas returns to New Orleans? Man, probably not. Probably not. Um, especially with as bad as it, I mean, it's almost been like Kenny Galladay-ish lately with him with, with the Saints, like it is with the with uh, the Giants. But I think there's a possibility. But you're going to have to get some weapons around Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr can't do it by himself. And I like Alave. I like Alave a lot. But you need more than that. And Taysom Hill's a nice piece. But you need more than that on the outside. Shahid's nice, but you need more than that. And, and then lastly, to stay on the topic of the New Orleans Saints, new video came out of Alvin Kamara's nightclub incident in Vegas. Jake, he's in big trouble, right? I didn't see it. What did he do? Oh, it. it, it he connected did, about did he like three. He, he connected about three hits on the guy, and like him and his buddies all like ganged up on the guy and it, in the and hallway. And it's, it, it's it's plain sight that it's Alvin Kamara. Because they got a different angle of him, like actually connecting with it. Because in the first one, stupidity, pure stupidity. You have I blame you and I blame your friends. I blame you and I blame your friends. There are guys that would kill, that would kill to have the opportunity that Alvin Kamara has uh, was born with and has had, and he's worked to get to this point. And now you're going to throw it all away. And again, I got to see the video, but you know I trust you guys' judgment. Yeah, you're done. You're cooked. Especially since the Ray Rice thing came out, when they tried to like give him two games, then the video came out. I know that was with a woman, but the NFL don't play about this. No, they, and they never have, and they, they certainly won't with this situation either considering they just seem to hate the New Orleans Saints. But uh, Jake Crane joining us here on the Game Hotline. Jake, appreciate you as always. Have a hell of a weekend, and uh, we'll do it again next week. You guys as well. Appreciate you. And there he goes. Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company weekday mornings on the Daily Wire. You know, real quick before we take the first time out of, of our number two, talking about the Saints and, and Derek Carr and where things kind of stand there, he's a top 15 quarterback. He's a low top 15 quarterback. He's He's more in the the 13 to 15 range. But, you know, looking at the league, you know, and I'm, I'm going off of James's list that, that he sent because I agree with most of it. Uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hertz, Lamar, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers. 
I, I don't agree that Russell Wilson's a top ten quarterback. Now look, still. we we can get to that later. Um, and, and then you get down. James has Carr at eighteen. I'd put him a little higher because again, I don't I don't have Russ in that list, so everybody kind of moves up there. Um, I don't know that I'd put Geno Smith top fifteen either. He had a great year, but I I, I don't know. Um. Justin Fields is an interesting take. Danny Jones is an interesting take. I I would put Carr, you know, 14, 15, at worst 16. But he's an upper half NFL quarterback. So if you're the New Orleans Saints and this man says, hey, I'll come play with you, I'll I'll come play for you for, you know, 15 to 20 million a year. Yeah. Okay. Where do I sign? Sign him to a one-year deal. Make him prove it. And if it works out, sign him to a four-year extension. He'll play for you until he's 37. It works. And then the Saints have solved their quarterback problem for now. We'll take a timeout and talk more. New Orleans Saints, NFL, all that good stuff next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome, bah. Tune in to the toughest monster truck tour March 17th and 18th as the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package for you entering the game rewards club the vip package includes four tickets access to the pits a merchandise certificate and lunch with the truck drivers on that friday the toughest monster truck tour is coming back and you could win a vip package courtesy of the game let your voice be heard Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 522 here on your Thursday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. James was getting to the conversation about Derek Carr. So when when you look at Carr's statistics in his career, he was drafted in 2014. He played nine seasons in Oakland slash Las Vegas, has a quarterback record of 63 and 79, which 63 and 79 is not great. But it's not all the quarterback's fault. So, you know, kind of take the, the record with it with a grain of salt. Let's look at his numbers. He's completed 65% of his passes for 35,000 yards. And then he has a 2-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. 217 touchdowns, only 99 interceptions. He has a QBR... Or a quarterback rating of 91.8. He has led 28 fourth quarter comebacks and 33 game winning drives. He's been to the Pro Bowl four times and finished third in the MVP race in 2016. 
Now, when you look at last year, were his numbers great last year? They were okay. 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He only completed 61% of his passes, which was third lowest in his NFL career. But it was also his first year under Josh McDaniels, who it has been well broadcasted that McDaniels and Carr did not see eye to eye on how to run the Raiders' offense, which could be reasons why they were 6-9 and nine under Derek Carr. With that being said, if Derek Carr comes to New Orleans, you are instantly the favorite to win the division. Hell, you might be the favorite now. You're really the favorite if Derek Carr's your quarterback. Barring any crazy moves, yes. Well, yeah, barring Atlanta getting Lamar, you're you're the favorite to win the division. Correct. So mm-hmm. you'd, you'd probably expect the Saints go 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, which would be enough to win the division? Yeah. Three-win improvement from a year ago? I, I would say so. Those games where you, know, you were a play or two away from winning and you fell short, if you have Derek Carr, you probably win those games. You might be able to. So, yeah, I, I could see 10-7, and seven, maybe even 11-6. and six. That's a little bit of a stretch, but maybe. The, the thing that, that worries me, and I've brought it up on this show before, I am worried that his time under John Gruden broke him. Broke him mentally. I don't know. I could be wrong. His numbers were great in 2021. He threw for 4,800 yards. So I could be totally wrong. I just, that's a concern of mine. Where is his head at mentally after everything that happened with John Gruden? Just look at his pass attempts and completions to get to that 4,800. Correct. He completed 68% of his passes through 600 passes. Yep. No, I get it. Let's go to the game hotline now. Mr. Green, what's going on, sir? Hey, Mr. Miguez, how you doing today? I'm fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I get to talk to you guys. It makes for a good day, right? I mean, I, I appreciate that, but but we're, we're not that special. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted to run a, I wanted to run a question by you guys, a scenario. So let's okay. say that the Saints get Derek Carr, uh-huh. okay, and he decides that he's going to go to New Orleans. The whole headspace thing, I think he'll be okay except that it's Dennis Allen as the head coach. So how much better can his headspace get with that situation? But what happens then? Do they get rid of the Red Rifle, or do they get rid of James Winston? I'm thinking they get rid of James Winston because it's no secret that, you know, Allen doesn't like Winston at all. Um, so what do they do with him? Do they trade him? Do they cut him, take the salary hip? What what do you think they do? Do they try to trade them and get a running back or some picks? What do you guys think? Unfortunately, I don't think the Saints will get anything for him um, because if I if I remember correctly, there is an opt out in his contract that the Saints would simply just opt out of his contract and cut ties. Mm. I could also see a scenario where they just get rid of both. 
Why ha- why have what? two why why have two thirty two plus year old quarterbacks? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, <laughs> who you got left? Taysom Hill. I mean, he ain't exactly a spring chicken either, and he's not really the greatest quarterback either. Yeah, it's so. What, what what you're asking basically is if Derek Carr comes to New Orleans, who's going to be his backup? Basically, yeah, I guess so. And do you think they can get anything for who they have now? Because let's be honest, they need running backs. They need some help in some other areas too. Yeah. Who's his backup? Probably Andy Dalton. Because that would be the the cheapest way for the Saints. You 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 could probably pay Andy Dalton, you know, two to three million dollars. And you know, that that if he's you know that if something happened with Derek Carr, you have a guy that's familiar with the system and knows what to do to step in there. Um so I think best case scenario for the Saints if you get Derek Carr would be to just keep Andy Dalton on as his backup. But if you could trade Jameis Winston, like you said, for for picks or a young running back or or, or whatever, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that would be a trade Taysom Hill too. I would love I would love to see him go back to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Just saying. Trade trade (laughs) Taysom Hill too. I appreciate y'all taking my call. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate you, man. Uh, I mean Andy Dalton's the best case scenario for a backup. And I think it's going to come down to how much will you have to pay to secure Derek Carr? Is Derek Carr going to come in and and play for $15 million a year? Or is he going to want 25 to 30? Because if he wants 25 to 30, yeah, the Saints might still be able to get him. But that straps you immensely for what you want to do elsewhere. Can Derek Carr, with the roster that is currently in place, win? That's the question. Let's go to the game hotline. Ralph, what's up? Hey, man. Uh, Matt, that, you, you got my uh, <laughs> read my mind right there. Because my, my point with Derek Carr is, do I think he's an upgrade of what we had that right now? Yeah, you know, probably so. Is he a? Uh, and I, I really think this is what he's gonna gonna get or or want at least three year hundred million plus contract. No, he's not worth that that at this age, given his track record. I, I I do not think so. And and look, I mean, if they could get him on the cheap, yeah, great. But he he's not signing the market basement deal right now. He's gonna have a a few other suitors uh, besides the Saints. Um, but what I want to know, Matt, is. What exactly did Jameis Winston ever do to to be at this position with Dennis Allen? I, I, Where Dennis Allen it. hates him? I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't get with it that, either. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy, you know, played hurt. I mean, you know, obviously, probably, you know, our crack Cracker Jack medical staff had something to do with that, but he he still tried. He was performing fine until the the back injury. I mean, he's not elite, but do you want to compare him to Derek Carr? You could look at the numbers. I mean, he had the one, the 30-30 season that they're always going to say about in Tampa Bay. But other than that, I mean, he's not a. He's still young. He, he's he's playing on a cheap contract. I, I know, albeit for one year. Uh, I don't. I just don't see why you wouldn't 
at least give him a chance to, to, to play a full season if he can stay healthy. I, I just don't understand it, man. I, and he seems to be a great teammate. He's not a, you know, he's not a brooder. He's not a, a locker room cancer. I mean, he, he's beloved by his team. Uh, you know, he's just, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at his numbers. He he's consistently put up good numbers. His worst season was his second to last season in Tampa when he had eight yards shy of three thousand, um, and he only played eleven games in in that stretch. So, I mean, I don't disagree with you that that James Winston really hasn't been given a fair opportunity under Dennis Allen. But I, to be honest, from the Saints side as well as the Jameis side, I think that ship has sailed. Oh no, I, I totally agree. I don't. I, I, I. But I just don't get it. What, how some players end up in certain coaches' doghouses. Yep. It, it, you know, of course, you know, we're not there every day. I, you know, but I, 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 I'm just not quite sure that I understand exactly what what happened there because I, I thought, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying I thought he was the answer, but I thought he could have been a serviceable. Um, you know, bridge piece until they found the answer. I drafted the answer if they ever do that. Um, but I, I, I don't think Carr's worth what he's going to command. And I think they'll end up having to go a, a cheaper no. um, veteran route. You know, and um, I don't know. Maybe a Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, something like that. I mean, they they don't move the needle for me. But you know, I I, I don't know if I can watch Andy Dalton take six sacks a game again no. uh, next year. No, I agree with you. I anyway, agree with you. And Matt, by the way, I, I you know, your score was very respectable. I, I know <laughs> they posted your scorecard. Bruh, that's better. Look, man, I'm I've been in the golf industry, you know, playing golf for a long, long time. That's better than than eighty percent of the golfers in the United States. So you have nothing to hang your head on, brother. I, I appreciate that, Ralph. I, I had, I had I, a good day I, for once. And I hope you um, enjoyed that was a, that was at Bayou Ben, I assume, Correct. right? I hope you enjoy one of their cheeseburgers after because they have some really good burgers in that clubhouse. Man. They do. They absolutely do. Yeah. Ralph, appreciate yeah. you, my man. All right, man. Later, man. Bye. We'll take a timeout. Jim Gazzolo joins us next. We'll talk all things pokes over in LC. Stay tuned. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, let's talk some McNeese Cowboys and Cowgirls. The Cowgirls currently playing right now against Houston Christian with 243 left in the first half. The Cowgirls trail the Huskies 31 to 20 in that contest. Let's talk with our guy Jim Gazzolo about this game plus the men's game for the Pokes. Jim, what's going on, sir? How are you? It's uh, not good. Not oh. good. How's that? Oh, Jim, why, 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 why do you say that? Why do you say it's not good? Uh, it's uh, right now. It's thirty-six twenty-five. Well, I mean, the that's down. That that's fair. Um, so you know, let, let's talk about. I, I guess we can talk about the first half of this game thus far. You know, they're they're down eleven with about a minute and a half left. What what have you noticed from from the first half of this game? Same as always. 
uh, missed layups, bad turnovers, uh, early lead, and then can't contain, can't hit shots. Now, looking at the Cowgirls, at least you know in, in their last couple of games, they're on a four-game losing streak, but every game except for the Incarnate Word one really seemed to be close and seemed to be within reach for, for Lynn Kennedy's group. What's it going to take for them to get out of the skid other than what you just mentioned, making layups? Um, make plays down the stretch. It's the same thing with the men. Neither team makes plays down the stretch. They're in games. They lead games. Um, too many turnovers, not enough plays down the stretch. It's really That's been the MO for the whole year. Jim, is it possible that neither McNeese team makes the Southland tournament that they host? Oh, yeah. Possible. Some would even say probable. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, they are both extremely bubblicious right now. How's that? Looking at the, the men's side of things, they've won three of their last five. Now they're playing a Houston Christian team that's having a very similar season to them. They're only one game ahead of McNeese. McNeese in a four-game, four-way tie for last in the Southland, but they're only a one and a half point dog on the road tonight. Can John Aiken's team will, will they find a way to win? Sadly, I don't think so. Um, I hope so, but. History tells me that uh, something will go wrong at the end um, because that's what's happened with them most of the year. They're without Trey English, the last guy to go down with an injury. He's probably out for the year, the starting point guard. This is a team that's already had point guard problems. Um, There's there's no room for error with them. They're down to seven scholarship healthy bodies uh, and only really two guys above 6'4". Chatting with Jim Gazzolo here on Crunch Time. Jim, what has been your thoughts of McNeese softball thus far, having a great start to the 2023 season? Very good. I mean, 9-3 uh, and three with the schedule they've played. They've beat the number 22 team in the country in North Texas. They just beat number, uh, Washington, which came into the game, ironically, at number 12, then got bumped up to number 9 by the third inning when the new poll came out. They beat them 3-2 to two on Monday. Lost to South Alabama. I think there was a letdown that was natural after the two wins. Um, they look as good as they've been advertised. I think that they'll come down to as long as they stay healthy. Uh, they've got a really good chance to not only get a uh, into the NCAA tournament and win the Southland, but really get a number two seed, which is what they're trying to do. They kind of made a name for themselves last year in the regional, beating Notre Dame twice and getting to the finals. I think they'd like to take that next step. And then looking at baseball, Justin Hill's group, they opened up with Creighton at home at the Joe, lost two out of three, then went to Sam Houston Tuesday night and just got pummeled 18-6. to six. And now you're going to be back in Texas this weekend to play a pretty solid UT Arlington squad. Uh, how do they get back on, on the right track with the Mavericks? Well, just pitching. I mean, they're trying to work out the back end of their bullpen and figuring out who's going to be the next Sam Foster who was their closer last year. They're looking at Ty Abraham, who had a nice one-performance game. Uh, Burrell Jones, he's been good one of two. Um, I think they'll be all right with the pitching. Uh, They're going to hit. The question will be is can they come up with a closer? Creighton's a very good baseball team. Sam Houston's good. 
Uh, Texas Arlington is good, but they're off to a slow start. They're only one in five or one in four, I believe, one in four. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how they do against them this weekend. Uh, but anytime you can throw Grant Rogers in game one, the pitcher of the year from the Southland Conference, he's 1-0. Uh, you usually get off to a pretty good start. But uh, their offense did not hit last weekend against Creighton. Maybe a little bit of the cold, maybe a slow start. But I think the offense will be fine. Now, Jim, before we wrap up, spring training for the MLB getting underway, are you excited about your Chicago White Sox this year? Wow, just uh, kind of Debbie Downer today. Uh, yeah, actually I am. I think they can't be as bad as last year. They can't be as injured as last year. The thing about the White Sox is simply this. They have the talent. Um, why did they not play well last year? Was it Tony La Russa? Was it other factors? Uh, I think if any team has... Eloy Jimenez is down 30 pounds. Uh, Lucas Giolito is down 25 pounds. I think they're in better shape. It's just really, why wasn't there fire last year is what I want to know. Was it a one-year thing? Uh, was it La Russa, or uh, do they have the fire in them? If they do, I think they'll win the division. If they don't, they won't. Jim Gazzolo joining us here on the game hotline. Jim, before you run, you know, we're talking – McNeese basketball the the men are going to play right after the women here at seven o'clock you talked about not having Trey English probably done for the year what kind of a game does Christian Shoemate need to have for John Aiken's team to get a win huge I mean he's got to be it and somebody's got to step up outside of him and hit some jump shots so it opens up inside uh that's really the big issue for this team is that they have no depth um, this is a two. I think they. I think McNeese men have to win tonight, and have to win Wednesday night to get in the tournament. The women only need one game at any point in time. Probably the New Orleans game is their is their best shot. The last game, men I think have to win two to get in. I don't think they're going to go to Southeastern on the back end of a of a with a one day off. So I think this is the night game that they have to get. Jim, appreciate you as always. Uh, enjoy the weekend of McNeese sports, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Go White Sox. Go White Sox. Jim Gazzolo, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you. Appreciate you, Jim. And there he goes, Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press. McNeese trails Houston Christian 36-28 to at the break. Looking at a couple top stories before we take our final time out of the show all-pro linebacker Bobby Wagner and the Los Angeles Rams have parted ways. James, the Saints, I mean, they had a good linebacking core, but, you know, do you re-sign Caden Ellis? You should, but will you? Could Bobby Wagner fit into the black and gold? I'm just saying. You basically have two guys doing the same thing. I'm just throwing ideas out there. I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think if Bobby's to play for another team, it would be the Saints. I don't. I, I just can't really see it happening. You've already got Demario. Demario's on his last legs. Bobby's on his last legs. They do the same thing. I just can't see it working out. What, what especially, you, especially when you really like the linebacking core of the Saints, but that's not really your emphasis. You more focus on the defensive line and the secondary if you're the Saints. You you mainly roll out only two linebackers at a time. What are what are your thoughts on Sean Payton hiring former Broncos head coach Vance Joseph as his defensive coordinator? Well, I mean, it's interesting because he is the former, like you'd said, but 
you do have a new owner and now you have a new head coach. So it kind of feels like it's almost like a whole new regime. So you almost kind of forget it, I guess you could almost say. You kind of you kind of just move on like, well, you're not our head coach. You're our DC. So we could we could work with this better. And then you're not in charge. And then <laughs> the last story that I want to get to before we take our time out, I, I find this interesting. Mike Shashetsky, this is the first season that he hasn't coached for Duke in 25 plus years. First season he hasn't coached in 48 years. But he says that he doesn't miss coaching. He says it's been good. I don't miss coaching. I coached for five decades. I knew I did not want to coach anymore, but I didn't want to retire. I'm doing a lot of speaking. I'm on the road at least once to twice a week to different locations, and I've learned a lot about myself in doing that. So Coach K staying busy. Duke struggling a little bit without him. They're 20 and 8 so far this year, which for Duke is kind is kind of a rough year. Um I'm interested to see how things continue because the conversation has kind of died down a little bit, but Duke was linked to Bronny James for a while. Could John Schreier pull something off and maybe they figure something out there? Not sure. We'll take a time out, wrap up today's show and the work week right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game know you love our shenanigans both on and off the air. And we want to help you help us. So go subscribe to our YouTube channel at the game Louisiana and click the bell so that you can get notifications when we post all of our exciting new content and game recaps. Help us to get to a thousand followers and see more of our fun behind the scenes at the game Louisiana on YouTube. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jimmy Jam. Got about three minutes. Let's talk LSU versus Vanderbilt women's basketball. LSU 25 and 1. Vanderbilt 12 and 16. But they've got the home court advantage. However, LSU is an 18 point favorite. Who's your X factor in this game? Angel Reese, you know what she's going to do. Alexis Morris, you kind of have an idea of what she's able to do. Jasmine Carson, Flauje Johnson, kind of up and down the last couple of weeks. Who steps up for Kim Mulkey tonight? Am I worried that LSU is going to lose this game? No, not really. Could it happen? Of course. Am I worried about that? No, no I'm not. Um, They're 18-point favorites for a reason. Yeah, I, I think LSU should run away with this game pretty handedly. You feel like Angel Reese is going to get another double-double? Yeah. feel like she'll toll up on that. You feel like Alexis Moore, she should be able to have another good night. You like Flauge and all of them. You feel like they'll be able to be major contributors. I almost wonder, is there going to be someone else that kind of just pops up out of nowhere? Like, they get they get themselves, like, you know, 12, 13 points, get a couple boards, or maybe get a couple steals that leads to buckets in transition. I think Flauge Johnson has a big game tonight. 
I think she does. She does, like you just talked about, she does a lot of good things scoring the ball. Mm -hmm. She also gets a lot. She's averaging six rebounds a game so far this year. I I think you could see her have a, you know, a 14-7 and kind of game, um, stepping up in a big way to to contribute to what Alexis Morris and Angel Reese are going to do. Because, man, I mean, you look at Angel Reese's numbers, 24 points, 15 boards. Those stats are gnarly, and she's only a sophomore. Imagine what it's going to look like next year when, sure, you have to say goodbye to Alexis Morris, which is going to hurt, but in comes top player in the country, Michaela Williams. Kim Mulkey is building a stud in Baton Rouge. Um, LSU wins this game tonight. They're 26-1. And I think that they move up a little bit in the standings. They probably sit at three or four uh, next week. But no show tomorrow because of LSU baseball playing in Round Rock, Texas. want to take this opportunity to thank Matthew Bruni, Jake Crane, and Jimmy G from LC. Mr. Jim Gazzolo for joining us today. For the producer extraordinaire, Mr. James Mesh, I am Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. Have a great weekend, and we will be back on Monday to recap a wild weekend from Cajuns basketball to LSU basketball to Cajuns and Tigers baseball and everything in between. Same time, same station right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.